Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, recently, BC Hydro held a press conference to say that they are looking for new sources of electricity. Uh, the Crown Corporation says they want to generate and deliver electricity in their province enough, and they need more power, enough to run 270 thousand homes get this as early as 2028 uh, the forecast from bc hydro comes as the company plans to launch its first call in 15 years to find new large sources of electricity uh next spring joining me now to talk a little bit about our energy needs uh is cole sayers he is the executive director of clean energy bc cole thank you for joining us today Thanks for having me. Uh, first and foremost, uh, were you surprised by this call by BC Hydro just a few weeks ago? Uh, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I was happy that it, it was uh, confirmed because my association has been uh, making these points uh, around the higher, the, the, the vast iteration of the IRP, demonstrating that we're going to be short on power sooner than what was in the original IRP. Mm-hmm. Um, so that change was. You know, we would need more power until 2031, but now with the recent update, it's 2027. So this recent call, you know, it's very welcomed. And uh, it just, there'll be a lot of work to do in terms of getting projects online by 2028, because that's a very short timeline. Uh, what is driving uh, this shorter timeline now? Um, well, for one, it's, you know, factoring climate targets, uh, reducing greenhouse gases that we have, you know, other policy areas, such as, you know, the, the clean BC. Um, there wasn't really alignment between the climate targets that you see in Clean BC and the electricity. Um, but a lot, of the, a lot of what's driving is higher industrial and commercial sales. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of new need in the north around the you know electrifying the LNG incorporation of uh, electrolytic hydrogen production facilities, incorporation of medium and heavy duty electric vehicles and vessel loads. Uh, continue to increase market share of heat pumps. So, you know, we've been trying to let them, you know, try to uh, share that we're going to need to electrify transportation and industry. And that wasn't really, uh, wasn't really accurately portrayed in the, re- in the previous iteration of IRP anyways. But this update, that's, so those are some of the areas that were, that's been driving this new demand. And, demand. and this demand will be above and beyond what Site C, which is presently being constructed, $20 billion plus in cost. I think it uh, it will uh, be online by 2025, in and around that time. Uh, and so this is a power that will be needed above and beyond Site C? Correct. Um, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of discussion uh, during the Gordon Campbell era of run of river projects where essentially the private sector would come and build some of these smaller dams, which would then feed into the broader uh, BC hydro system. Uh, Are we going to see the resurgence of run on river projects? Um, At first, I don't think so. Uh, I think BC hydro has indicated they want to diversify their energy mix and to look at uh, cost-competitive resources such as utility-scale wind and solar. 
So those are probably going to be the focus of the call with the support from the BCSDEI to help support First Nations-led uh, clean energy projects. So when you say um, uh, there wouldn't be run of river, uh, how much of how much energy do they provide now, roughly? Uh, overall, First Nations projects, uh, renewable energy projects, around six point one billion invested um, in First Nations owned or partnered industrial clean energy projects. Three point nine billion of that is in small hydro. Now, the only kind of issue with you know the small hydro is that you know there's um, generally, at least from Hydro's perspective, that there are high alpine projects that sell power that's from uh, you know rain, glacier. Uh, that there's a there generally a lot of power and selling at a time when market prices are kind of low. So that's where I say that Hydro can buy that power at a higher cost and then um, and then at a loss. Otherwise, you know, a point that I like to make is that you know. A lot of those projects are owned by First Nations, or are partly owned by First Nations. So those benefits aren't lost. Like those, that, that there are benefits that are being reinvested into the community. Mm-hmm. But so it, it wasn't all private projects. Yes, no, and and, and I think but I think at the end of 2022, IPPs, independent power projects, accounted for 22 percent of the province's electricity needs, and there were 125 separate renewable power plants. Uh, so some of the more run of river hydro plants in uh, in BC, some of them are wind, t- wind turbine farms in the northeast. Do you think it was a successful program, or was it? Be- and others have said, look, uh, what BC Hydro was purchasing that power for was uh, was uh, too high that it wasn't needed. Do you think that era and that 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 plan was a successful one at the end of the day when they when it is accounted for accounting for twenty two percent of the province's electricity needs? Uh, well, I think now that BC Hydro and government has focused on engaging first the rights holders and stakeholders on how to how to best shape procurement. So mm-hmm. we are so they want to factor in best practices from other jurisdictions. So you know, I think you know it did it did help a lot. I and mean, obviously, we can learn from from past uh, policy programs. Mm-hmm. Nothing's perfect, and we, we have to look at costs. You know, different technologies back then. Kauai was more larger runner river. There's a lot of factors, a lot of history there, mm-hmm. but I think the main point is that we are going to look at how to best shape this this call for power to to meet reconciliation targets, electrification targets, uh, and then they'll then they'll, and then we'll learn from that one, and then that'll help shape subsequent call for power because it's going to keep rising. Our need for clean electricity is just going to continue rising. Yeah, no doubt in regards to, especially with, you know, I think every family to a certain degree is already talking about, do I, do we purchase the next family vehicle being an EV and how would that work within the family budget and uh, can we charge them and everything else? There'll be a need for consistent power. You said in the early portion of our interview here, uh, you know, looking at different types of sources, wind and solar. You know, when I think solar, I still, and, and I know we have homes with solar on, uh, on their roofs. I just drove by a house the other day. It was a very impressive setup that they had here in one of the suburbs in Vancouver. Uh, but when I still think uh, solar, I still think, you know, hot climates, I think Asia, I think Africa, where they, they can really utilize solar and parts of the United States as well and, and the global south uh, and wind, I, I can understand here. But do you think those two systems can be 
can play uh, a significant role in our province in regards to generating power? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it'll be part of the mix, and I can understand that. But do you think it could be significant, even though with climate change, I still view ourselves as a, as a rainforest, that solar and wind can still play a significant role? Yeah, definitely. Um, they're definitely um, they're definitely a good potential resource for electricity. And you know, the thing about the BC is, you know, bringing on renewables, we're in a good position that we do have flexible assets. There are dams with storage capabilities, so you know, if we need power, we can increase the amount of power that can be generated to meet that. That, 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 that demand, peak demand, with the complementary uh, source of profits with renewables. And as you start scaling up, then that's just going to make balancing loads uh, more trickier mm-hmm. for hydro. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely a really good source. You know, they're very cost competitive. Um, there are benefits to local Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities in terms of ownership. There's, uh, there's capital investments by by, um, by corporations. So it's good for our province and it brings long-term operational jobs to rural areas that need it. And, you know, I think that part of this conversation too is, you know, rural economic development mm-hmm. where communities, both indigenous and non-indigenous can own these projects and operate these projects. And that's going to bring, you know, some, some job security to some extent and energy security that will help, you know, bring in, attract economic investment. In a lot of areas, you know, people who don't live in the lower mainland may not experience blackouts and brownouts. But for folks who live in you know rural areas, they they know that that's you know a reality. So I mean, I think there's definitely opportunities for those communities to explore this in future calls, mm-hmm. so that we can bring that economic and energy security to those regions. Cole, thank you for your time. I know you're going to be a very busy man. I know you already are, but the next few years uh, tells me you're going to be very busy. Look forward to having you on because this is a long-term conversation, and let's get you into the studio next time as well. Thank you so much.